Good morning. Are you well this morning? There we go. I'm in. I'm still trying to figure out exactly everything Alan says, but I seem to laugh at the appropriate times. The accent is very different up here for me. It's wonderful to be back um, here this morning. Uh, great to see some faces who I met yesterday. Jesus' presence is so sweet amongst us, isn't it? It's just been a joy. I arrived on Friday with Colin, who's down at Selby this morning, a friend of mine. And we have so loved being here with you in Durham. Hospitality has been incredible. Uh, we, um, just the love we've received and just do feel a part of you. Feel a part of your family here. It's wonderful. We knew a few people in this church. Um, Jeremy and Laura, the amazing webs, are dear friends of ours. We've been friends for many, many years. And Angus and Helen as well uh, for many years. So it is wonderful, wonderful to be here. Just a shout out to the brave young man in the Man United shirt at the back there. Woohoo! There we go. I did say to Colin, my friend, I said, do you think it would be a distraction if I wore my Man United shirt when I preach? He said, I don't think it's a good idea. So I'm not sure if we've got Sunderland or Newcastle supporters here this morning. There we go. But what will be will be this afternoon. As I said, as you've heard, my name is Paul. I'm from South Africa. I'm married. I have five children. Um, I have two grandchildren, uh, which is I need to always qualify because we adopted my wife and I, a teenage girl who is now 30 years old, married, and I have had no plastic surgery, so I'm not Ellen's age. So she's married. She's got two boys, um, and they're back home in a, a place called Hilton, which is in the, uh, near Durban. Uh, in South Africa. I don't know if the geography helps. Um, I am part of a leadership team there that leads a church called Freedom Church that we planted three years ago in the six weeks before the first lockdown. Uh, as I said yesterday, I wouldn't advise that to anyone. It's been an interesting couple years, but God has been so faithful. I also serve a, a network of churches across Southern and East Africa and into Asia. Uh, that's where we work with Jeremy and Laura, if they work in Kenya. And we have been seeing God doing amazing things in the nations. Can I pray for us? And then I want to get going. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for an opportunity for all of us to come and sit under your word. We thank you for your presence with us this morning so sweetly, so powerfully. And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you make Jesus famous this morning? Would you lift him high? As we preach, would you be glorified in Jesus' name? As we look at the psalm, Lord, as we, as we align our thinking with yours, would you be glorified in every heart here today and in this town and in the nations? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well... Many of us might be forgiven for thinking that in the last few years, the world has gone completely mad. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think so. For me, and I shared a little bit of my story yesterday, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of years. Obviously, the COVID, that weird thing that happened a few years ago, like a time warp that took place a few years ago, seemed to un- destabilize, in a sense, the whole world. And in our hearts, what, what we had known to be the same forever and ever just changed overnight. Things changed. We couldn't do what we would previously could do. We couldn't travel where we could previously travel. There was so much fear. No one knew. What was this? What, how bad was this going to be? Some people overreacted. Some people underreacted. Everyone, no one knew what was going on. The world has gone crazy, it seems, since then. 
wars and this morning in the prayer meeting we remembered that uh, this week is the we we remember the one year of war in ukraine and all the atrocities that have taken place and but uh, unfortunately as you know all over the world not just in ukraine all over the world there's 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 wars there's uprisings there's chaos in your nation i've been very aware of and since i've been here of what they call the culture wars Found that an interesting term for an absolute attack on our Christian values and what we stand for and what we believe Jesus won for us on the cross. And, and I see fear where I go. I see trepidation. I see a pulling back from the purposes of God as I talk to people and, and move around. And it's similar in my own country. But I want to encourage you this morning that this is nothing new. This is not new. Maybe for you or for I, and especially the younger generation, we've never known a time quite like this when things were so unstable, so destabilized. You've had the benefit in this nation of centuries of Christian tradition. Your culture, your society has been shaped by the gospel in ways that you can't even imagine anymore, that you, that you take for granted because you've, it's the water you swim in. Now, I know, as I've said, the, things are not what they used to be. In many ways. But Christ reigns. Could you, could you turn to my favorite psalm, Psalm chapter 2, this morning? I feel I have a word from God for you at this time. You see, every generation somehow falls into this trap that um, everything's new, that no one's been through this before. This is hard. This No one else has suffered this way or no one else has experienced this. We all think somehow our generation is sort of a special generation. And I'm not just talking to the millennials here, you know. But <laughs> but we, we have such um, amnesia when we think of the past. We forget what brothers, our brothers and sisters have suffered and been through for the last 2,000 years all over the world. Yesterday afternoon, went with the webs to Durham Cathedral and we walked around and it is very impressive. Beautiful big building. And, I, and in the short time we were there, I, I, I found myself thinking, what was in the hearts of those men and women? What, what did they live in? We, I, and I don't know the history, so I won't embarrass myself. But what I do know is that there were dark ages that came and the gospel light that shone brightly in this place was almost extinguished. But then praise God for churches like you in the last years and that that comes, comes back. It's like all through history, there's this ebb and flow of the kingdom where it looks like the lights are going out on the gospel, but it doesn't. It comes up again. And I just feel we're in a moment today where we need to, to stop and think back through the last thousands of years and understand the purposes of God and understand that we form but a page in this great story that God is writing. This psalm was written about 3,000 years ago. That that, uh, cathedral was built about 1,000 years ago. 2,000 years before those men and women built, took 40 years to build that. This is the truth of God. This is the truth of the kingdom. The author says this, Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord 
and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Friends, rebellion against God, the rebellion against Jesus and his kingship is nothing new. Do not fear. Do not worry about what you see in the world around you today, whether it's right here in Durham, whether it's across your nation or in the nations of the world. Do not worry. Do not fear. Rebellion is as old as the garden itself. From the beginning, men and women like you and I have railed against the kingship of Jesus, our sinful natures. That's why we need the king. That's why we need forgiveness. That's why we need the cross, as we've sung so beautifully today, because we are wicked, depraved without Christ. And so we shouldn't be surprised that in a society where people are turning their back against Jesus and rebelling against him, we should see such wickedness seemingly, seemingly flourishing around us. Do not worry. This is an old, old story. Amen. One of the, one of the tactics of our enemy is to tell us nothing like this has ever happened before. This is new. How could God really know what's going on with COVID? Is there going to be nuclear war? All this fear-mongering. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not here to tell you that. But what I do know is Christ reigns on his throne. He reigns. Because if we go a little bit further in verse 4, and this is a terrifying verse. It says, He who sits in the heavens laughs. Not a nervous giggle. Right? Not a nervous giggle. Not a little polite chuckle. God holds these men and women, these who rebel against him, who rage against him, who throw off his leadership, who throw off his precepts. He holds them in derision. He laughs. He scorns them. Now, you might say, oh, that's not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, who saved me. Friends, it is. He is the lion and the lamb. 
Jesus is loving and kind, and we'll get to that just now. But he's also the king of kings, and he's the lord of lords. And he has been seated on the throne above all powers and principalities, which are real. As we heard earlier in that prophetic word, real. There's real demonic power at work in your city. Right? Real oppression against you, whether it's through sickness or demonic influence or lies of the enemy, it's real. But Christ reigns. He reigns and he laughs at his enemies and holds them in derision. Jesus is not nervous, sitting on the throne, looking down and going, oh my goodness, what are they going to do next? What is going to happen? How am I going to handle a nuclear fallout or the war in Ukraine or COVID? Or what am I going to do about the agendas that have been pushed and indoctrinating of children in your nation from an early age into things that we don't believe in? Christ reigns supreme. And the reason why he can do that is because he is writing this great, great story. We heard, those of you who are yesterday heard Colin so well talk about the story of God and what he's doing. Friends, we are part of this great story today. Every one of us forms a part of God's purposes that he started from the beginning of time. It says that before he created the earth, he knew us. Before he created the earth, he knew the works we would do, that he would call us to join in his story. No matter how young or old, doesn't matter, as we said yesterday, what you've done or what's been done to you, you have a role to play in the kingdom, the coming kingdom of, of God. And God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing. He, this is not some kind of cosmic battle going on at the moment between good and evil. Okay, let's just be clear. There was a battle. The victory is won. Jesus Christ rose again and reigns supreme. This is not a case of, I wonder what's going to happen next. Will Jesus really be strong enough? No, friends, it's settled. It's done. Pretty much like this afternoon score. It's done. It's settled. Our king reigns. Your king reigns. Yes, there's pain. Yes, there's difficulty. Yes, there's weakness. Yes, there's, there's tears, but not forever. But he still reigns in the midst of this. He says in verse 6, one of my favorite lines in the whole scriptures, Jesus says, or God says, as for me, I don't care what they're doing. You might, you might be distracted about these kings raging and getting into a froth. As for me, I have set my king on Zion. I have set my king on my holy hill. And all the nations, all the nations will be ruled by him. Friends, you know, that's the one thing that Jesus is doing in the world today. If he's doing one thing, it's gathering for himself a tribe, a people from every nation under heaven. And I don't mean geopolitical nation. I mean every language group, every tribe, every ethnos, every, every group of people. Jesus today, through his church, people like you and I, are gathering for himself this people. That he will truly rule over all nations. Lord, come. Do it in our day, we pray. 
I see this wherever I go. I get a, a huge, I have a huge privilege of being able to travel quite a bit and seeing what Jesus is doing in different cultures and different nations. And it's so encouraging because sometimes when you're stuck in the same church, or you not not a church like this, of course, it would be amazing stuck in this church. But other churches, when you're stuck with the same people who have the same problems they've had for years, it seems, and you have your same limitations, your same struggles, it's sometimes easy to lose perspective of what Jesus is doing. And so I'm so grateful that I get to travel to different places and be amongst different people to see what Jesus is doing. One of the biggest surprises I've ever had last year, about a year ago, I went to Pakistan with a, a friend of mine. Uh, we have churches in Pakistan that we work with. And it was my first time being there. And so it's amazing what you can do over Zoom these days. And we built up over a year of relationship over Zoom. And, and we went for a week. And uh, they told me they had five churches in the city where we were at. Um, and so we get there and we have five churches. I said, that's, that's amazing. In this unreached people groups, there's two and I ha- there's 50 unreached people groups within a half-hour drive of where they stay. Uh, you know, just really a frontier for the gospel. And uh, so we said, we're going to go visit some churches. So I said, fine. So we start driving, and we visit a church, and there's 50, 60 people. Amazing. Drive to another church. And we kept driving to churches and driving to churches. But 10 o'clock at night, we got back. I was like, there were more than five churches we went to today. The next morning, we started driving again to visit more churches and encourage. Eventually, I said, well, hang on. How many churches have you got? Like, they said, five. But I said, no, but we've been to. He said, no, those are house churches. So I said, okay, help me now. So I said, Let me, let's just draw some pictures here. Over the last few decades, this one man and his two sons have built up a network of 36 house churches, churches. And, when I, and these are not churches of 10 or 15, 60, 80, 100 people in a house church. And we spend a couple of days going from home to home where you would arrive in a home, very basic home, a little courtyard. And uh, within, you know, there's five or six or 10 people around. Within 10 minutes, there might be 80 people sitting on a carpet on the floor, many illiterate waiting to hear what we had to say. It was one of the most terrifying, most humbling times I've ever had in my life because if you knew the stories of persecution and, and, and murder and all sorts of things that this family have gone through, it was humbling. What do you have to share? But I left there after a week absolutely amazed at what Jesus is doing. That where it looks black and dark and, and it looks like nothing is growing, Christ is at work. He is ruling in the nations. And I know there are many people in this church who have links or experience in working in other nations around the world. And you can tell me the same testimonies. Wherever I go, the kingdom of God, the gospel is growing and bearing fruit. Everywhere. That's what it says in Colossians 1. And I tell you what, it's true till this day. We don't always see it. We struggle sometimes in the midst of our difficulties and the daily grind to see. But let me assure you, it is happening all over the world. Christ is ruling and reigning. And he is bringing under his authority every tribe and nation. And one day it will be done. Lord Jesus, hopefully soon. Sooner rather than later. But he is doing it. I could tell you of Myanmar. Uh, which was previously called Burma, our friend there, Ong, what's the most amazing man. This month, he's been training 
10 people to go out and plant churches um, in, across the, the nation of Myanmar. The one young man um, particularly gripped my heart. His name is Lee Shui Lin or something like that. Young man in his, in his sort of mid-twenties. God's called him to leave the, the capital. And just to let you know, there's a civil war happening in Myanmar. Has been going on really for decades. And it's kicked off again in a big way. The country's closed down. You can't get in and out. This young man is leaving the city, uh, the capital, Yangon. And he's moving to the Rohingya Muslim people. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Rohingya Muslim. A stateless people, really. Live on the border between Myanmar and Bangladesh. Have no rights anywhere. And he's moving there, a young guy, to go and to share Jesus on his own. He's not married yet, he's, and, and he is a barber. So he's going to set up a barber shop amongst the Rohingya Muslim up the coast so that he can start to reach out to people and love them on his own, no financial backing, trusting Jesus. Folk, everywhere our king reigns. Don't spend too much time watching the news or reading your newspapers unless you're going to spend double the amount of time in the Word of God. Because the Word, and this is not exactly the Word, these days you can't do that, there's lots else in here, but the Word of God, this is the perspective that we need on what is happening around us. This Psalm, Psalm 2, you should get that into your spirit. If you feel down or concerned or worried about what's happening in the world today, memorize that Psalm. Get it into your soul, the Word of God. It'll feed you, it'll protect you, it'll give you the correct perspective on actually what is happening. Because what you hear on the news is just the thinnest little veneer of what people want you to know. Christ is at work. That is the reality. Amen. Amen. So then, what do we do? What do we do? The world is in chaos. It really is. Christ is at work. We've established that. What do we do? What do you do? Sitting here in Durham, uni, or I've met people at both ends of the spectrum, uni, retirees who are heading out on their first mission trip. I love that. I love that. And everyone in between, what can you do? Well, let me tell you the first thing you need to do is you need to kiss the sun. All right? Verse 12, kiss the sun. God is calling each and every one of us into intimacy with him. You see, because none of this stuff makes sense outside of the presence of God, we need, we need Christ ruling in our lives. That's the first thing we need. It says verse 10, now therefore kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Folks, uh, it's, this is not a case of sticking your head in the ground like the proverbial ostrich to go, everything's great, Jesus has got it all, there's no problems in my life. No, that is, we don't need that kind of Christianity. We don't need a kind of um, hyper, uh, what do you call it, prosperity kind of gospel. I come from Africa. We have lots of that. Where everything, I'm the head, I'm not the tail, we're victorious in all things. Yes, we are victorious in all things, but you know, right now it's hard. And it's tough, and just getting through the day is difficult sometimes. And we all carry our, our silent struggles around with us. What we need, folks, more than anything, is Jesus. We need a vital 
growing relationship with the king. That is our privilege. That is, that is the incredible privilege that Jesus won for us on the cross. That we cannot just do religion, not just tick some boxes attending meetings, but we can have that relationship with Jesus that he won for us on the cross. We can have it. And I don't mean just reciting old scriptures you know. One of the challenges for many of you of growing up in a Christian nation kind of thing is that everyone born here thinks they're Christians. Well, maybe that time has come and gone, but maybe many of you, just because, you know, maybe you got christened as a child or something like that. Friends, that's got nothing to do with a personal relationship with Jesus. And today, like every day, Jesus is beckoning all of us in to come and come and have that intimate relationship with him because he knows you can't survive without that. What is happening out there is too much for us to handle. So, so, so by coming to Christ, it's not this burying of our heads in the sand, but it's a submission to his lordship. It's an acknowledgement that we are weak and that we need him. That there is a war out there. There is a battle. It is hard. You have weaknesses. But by coming to Christ and seeking intimacy with him and and like this morning, just worshiping and worshiping and, 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 and finding him in scripture again by yourself, not just when you are together. But building that relationship with Christ is a sign of submission to his kingship, to his lordship. You see, because in our natures, and we carry around this, this fallen flesh, unfortunately, and it wars against our soul. And it doesn't want you to get up early in the morning to read half an hour of scripture before you head to work. It wants you to stay in bed where it's nice and comfortable. It doesn't want you out on these rainy, snowy days to come and worship or pray. It wants you to stay at home, and we need a war against that. We need to do that, but we need Christ for that, folks. We need Jesus. Psalm 73 is an amazing psalm. It talks about this man sees the the, the arrogant and the ungodly flourishing, and he's confused. He sees them flourishing. It's says, like, the, the, the rich just go on and on and they subjugate the poor but they don't seem to have any consequence for it but then in verse 16 the writer says this but when I thought how to understand this it seemed to me a wearisome task trying to figure out you know good and evil it was hard until until I went into the sanctuary of God then I discerned the end and friends, that is the key. And I know this is a church who loves the things of the Spirit. And you are hungry for the Holy Spirit to do amongst you something fresh. Many of you have experienced great outpourings of God in the past and you're hungry for more now. Some of you younger folk have heard the stories and don't really know what people are talking about. But let me tell you something. It is what you need. And I, I'm preaching to the converted here. You need God. You need the power of the Spirit in your life, your personal life. Just now you're going to walk out of here, you're going to go home, straight back into some of your battles, whether it's mental health or family issues or social pressure. You need God. You need His perspective on what is happening in your world, but also in the world around you. Otherwise, you will be discouraged. You will want to give up. Sin becomes that much more attractive when you lose sight of what Jesus has done and is doing in the world today.
Amen. I want to I want to bring this home a bit. I'm not going to be too much longer. But I want to remind you as a church of some of the promises that Jesus has given you that you hold on to. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. Friends, I see that on your websites. I saw it up yesterday on the board. This is a word from God for you. Yesterday we spoke about sort of deepening our stakes, going deeper into God. But I felt strongly this morning as I was praying for you that God would say to this church, the leaders, all of you, do not hold back. Because of what you can see going on out there, because of some of the opposition, the discouragement, some of the challenges in your own life, how those things are impacting your life, your family. The tendency is to hold back. The tendency is to go into your shell. I was talking to someone uh, earlier in the week down south, and he said it's like people are drawing up the drawbridge around their little castles and staying safe. That churches were doing that, in a sense. In my language, in South Africa, we say forming a lager of wagons, pulling the wagons in, and to keep the enemy out, but to stay safe. Folks, this is not a time for you to be doing that. It is not a time to pull up the drawbridge. It is a time to not hold back, to reach out. Because Jesus is with you. You carry a promise of God that you will be a kingdom resource center. God's spoken that over you. Mark DuPont had that word for you, that you are a kingdom resource center for Durham, but I dare say for much wider than Durham. That in this room, this room is full of resources, of people called by God, anointed by God, with experience of God who are called to do great things in the kingdom here and in the nations of the world. Driving around just these uh, to Jeremy and Laura last night and we took a rather circuitous route home. But we got there in the end. Went through village after village after village and Jeremy and Laura were telling us these were mining villages and how they sort of die a lot of these things. And there's hopeless. People are hopeless. They feel they've been forgotten by the government and all sorts. Do you know what? We have hope. You know, God has planted you here for the city, for the villages, for this region, and the, the ends of the earth. What are you going to do with that? At a time like this, where it's tempting to pull back, to pull back on your finances, and say, we, we don't know what the future holds now. Let, let's play it safe. To pull back on your time, to, to pull back on just trusting God and stepping out and going to the nations. Whatever it is God's calling you to, do not hold back. You were also given a promise, and apparently it is written on your foundation somewhere on the floor, that if you go to the nations, God will, he'll give you Durham. I wanted to speak about this particularly. The temptation when you go through difficult times, when things don't work out exactly how we think, is that we pull back and we focus on what's at home. And I understand that. But I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you. 
Do not hold back from the nations. I'm so encouraged to hear of what this church is doing. Trips to Turkey and Bulgaria, sending Jeremy and Laura off to Kenya. Keep going. God has more for you than that. He said that your offspring will possess the nations. All right? The nations, many nations. Don't be satisfied with just two or three little happenings in two or three countries. There's still, how many? Three billion people, four billion people in the world today who've never heard the name of Jesus. Thousands and thousands of people groups who have no access to the gospel. This gospel that we come and celebrate every day. Thousands of nations just waiting, just waiting to hear the gospel. One, uh, in Revelation 5, it says we see this incredible scene in heaven where the, uh, where, where the angels and the, el- the elders and these beasts are worshiping the Lamb. And it says, with your blood, you purchased men and women. And I love the tense there, past tense. With your blood, Jesus, you have already purchased on that cross men and women from every tribe and nation around the world. Friends, Jesus has done the work. All he's asking us to do is to follow him into what he's done and tell them about Jesus, to proclaim this Jesus that we sing about this morning, this Jesus you know who's transformed your life. Jesus is saying, won't you just go and tell others? I'm already at work there. I've already, I've already prepared them. I've already bought them. Just go and tell them. And there's so many ways, and I know you do this. There are ways you can do this. You can go yourself. You can send others. You can support. You can pray. You know all of this stuff. What I'm saying is don't hold back. Don't hold back at this time. There's, I've seen in the last few years as I move around, there's like a churches generally fall into two camps, and it's a gross generalization. But there's generally two responses to the shaking in the world today. One is to button down the hatches, pull up the drawbridge, and, and, and be responsible. <laughs> Take care of it. And those churches are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. My nation, other nations, I've seen this. They, they're fizzling out as they look down into themselves. There are other churches who through faith are trusting God, stepping forward and laying, no, Lord, you promised in spite of this, in spite of what we can see, in spite of what the news forecast tells us, we are going to trust you. We're going to lay it all down again. We're going to risk. We're going to step out in faith. And I promise you, those churches are growing. Whether they're growing in numbers or whether they're growing in maturity or effectiveness, they are growing and there's life there. Amen. So, if you remember one thing from this morning, this is not a time to hold back. Please, God has spoken to you. He's promised you. Those things, and I know I know your heart is not this. Don't let those promises remain on a piece of paper or on a website. Work them out now. Work them out this year. You've got great plans here in Durham. Praise God. Keep working these things out. Keep working them out. In your own life, you have promises over your life individually. I know I've met some people here who've got a heart for the nations or to go and study theology and lead churches and all. It's amazing. Such a resource well here. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Keep pressing forward. Keep pressing forward. Remember, and I'm going to end with this, all that you see around you, everything you can see, including Durham Cathedral, is temporary. It's temporary. 
But we're impressed with it because it's an impressive building. But it, it's temporary. All this news that you see is temporary. It won't be long, and the news cycle would have turned, and there'll be another war in the headlines, making people money. We I was asked this morning in the prayer meeting as they were praying for me, what is the political situation in your country? And I just laughed, not uh, disrespectfully, but actually it doesn't really matter because it just goes round and round and round in circles. Friends, this is temporary. Your struggles are temporary. Your weaknesses are temporary. They're real. They're real, but they're temporary. They will pass. These presidents, these prime ministers... These dictators, these these kings, let them rage. Let them rage. Let them sign whatever bill they want. Yes, we fight for what we believe in. Jesus is on the throne. He reigns. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change anything in reality. No power of hell. No scheme of man. All right, we sing that. No power of hell. And hell has power. No scheme of man can throw Christ off his course. He reigns. He sits enthroned in Zion. He laughs at those who rage against him. He working out his purposes in your life, in this church, in our generation, for his glory, folks. And he's calling us into that. He is calling us into that. The one great thing, and I'll end with this, is that we know the end of the story as believers in Jesus Christ. No matter what we go through, no matter how tough it might be, we know one day, one day, there will be no more pain. There will be no more tears. There'll be no more confusion. There'll be no more wars. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be perfect. This body that causes us so much grief will be redeemed we'll have our new bodies we'll reign with them and so we go out from here confident not unaware of of the reality but confident and assured that jesus reigns that we are his that he holds us in the palm of his hand no harm can come to us outside of the will of god and no matter what comes to us, we can praise him. So, so please, Emmanuel Church, press on. Lay a hold of what he has called you to. Do not hold back in any way. And if you're responsible for anywhere in the church serving, I want to encourage you, where you serve, don't hold back. Give of yourself. If you're about to go, oh, I've been doing the kids' work, or oh, they all out, aren't they? Well, I've been doing this for so long, I need to just hold on. God's promised you something. There's an inheritance for you there. And as you remain faithful, and as you plug into Jesus, and as you grow in intimacy with him, and know more of the power of the Spirit in your life, you will see glorious things in the future. The best is yet to come. Whether that building comes online quick, quick or not, doesn't matter. Christ reigns over this church. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you today that we can build our lives on the truth of the gospel, the good news of your kingdom that you long established, Jesus. I want to thank you that you are not thrown off course with every new bit of bad news, Lord, that we hear that you sit enthroned in your glory in heaven. 
you look over the earth, that you will rule all nations, Lord. And all nations will come in submission to you, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are king. Lord, I pray for these dear people, Lord, for this incredible church. I want to pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit upon them that would so galvanize them, Lord, that would so strengthen and embolden them that they would go from here and take the city for you, that they would trust you for 400 and beyond, Lord. They would trust you to be this resource center for the region and the nations in Jesus' name. Lord, give them the nations. Give them their heart's desires, I pray. Give them wisdom. Give them a sense of what to do in this day, Lord. Give them wisdom to see what it is you're doing and to make any changes that are needed and to follow you into the nations, we pray. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.